Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome to another edition of the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome once again, where we talk Minnesota sports, Northland sports, and professionally, hey, the Twins are good. We got that going for us. <laughs> Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, the Timberwolves, the Wild said goodbye to their seasons this week. The Minnesota Vikings had a draft. Yeah. Happy uh, Happy holiday week to you, Dave Cook. Yeah. I shouldn't even say had a draft. Most of their drafting will actually come today. Yeah, you know, the they needed the trade down yesterday uh, in order to uh, have some more guys. Brian, frankly, who can play special teams. When you're so top-heavy uh, an organization as the Vikings are, where all their money's tied up in like four guys, right? and not counting Jefferson, who needs an extension, and Hunter, who was going to want to get paid. I mean, Derrissaw's coming up on an extension. I mean, their their money is wrapped up in like 10 guys. you got to find a bunch of guys who can play special teams later in the game. Absolutely, and our money comes from lots of guys and gals, our sponsors. We appreciate them. Let's pay homage right away today. Right, you know, it's. it's I wasn't in- going to do that, but you gave me the easiest segue to just go ahead with that. It, it, it's a quite it's quite a thing because this is very much similar to the NFL draft, where what you're always hoping for is a is a really good prospect. We got a whole sheet of really good, uh, uh, really good sponsors. And Arola here. Architecture Studio Let's was our number with one our pick. number one draft. Yeah, pick. he was Arola first. Architecture Studio. Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Element Screen Printing, Justin May at Messina & Associates, Avenue 45, The Blackwoods Group, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota, Kohler Hyundai, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, and Famous Dave's. Absolutely. Speaking of Famous Dave's, we'll have a couple of them today. I've always got you, Dave Cook, and Dave Hoops will be along once again. Dave Hoops continues to show his flexibility because he likes that 1030 spot, but Kara Goucher will take that today. Gonna be fun to talk to her. She's going into another Hall of Fame. She's got a book out that I've already read and heavy on the air quotes because I did the audio version. She read it to me, which is quite an experience. <laughs> but Hall of Fame, that's kind of a fun segue too, because everybody's hoping with the NFL draft that they drafted the next Hall of Famer for their franchise. Now again, this is a big holiday type experience for you. You block out your calendar to take it all in. Let's just say I don't, but I appreciate <laughs> talking about it with you. And I can't say that I totally dislike it, because if I did, I wouldn't watch it. Because if you think about it, I don't like professional golf, so I don't watch it. I don't like professional soccer, so I don't watch it. Notice I said professional in both cases, because prep and collegiate, I'll support it to the end. Mm-hmm. The Vikings, I'll support it to the end. So I watched. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the Vikings picks are the most important to me, right? Of course. But watching the Evan And then the flow, division. Watching the ebb and flow of the whole thing is the fun part, right? Seeing seeing a team that, like I told you in the car, Pittsburgh got a bunch of guys who are butt kickers. Like you can see Pittsburgh said, okay, we were too soft. So we got to go find guys who are mean, have a mean streak, who are you know, heavy-handed, who are all those things you talk about when you're talking about guys who you don't want to see come off the bus, right? So Pittsburgh did, did that. We t- we ah, kinda, did you mention that with Pittsburgh on purpose? I was like, what does that have to do with Jerome Bettis? We uh, we also talked about how the Lions draft looks like somebody took a pile of cards and shuffled them weird because the picks themselves aren't bad, but where they were picked were backwards. Right. How do you grade them when they got the players you anticipated that they might get, but they went in reverse order yes. and still got it done? Kudos to them for that. But I shouldn't even say that because that's part of what still bugs me about the draft. Yeah. It's not the draft. It's not the selections. These are how you build teams. But it's the emotional aftermath or afterglow, if you will. Because the people that will declare us Super Bowl contenders based off a pick, I just go pump the brakes a little bit. And the people that work so hard to just go into depression and anger, pump the brakes a little bit. Once again, these people have played zero downs of NFL football. And there are narratives put forth by every armchair expert that if you want to believe one thing or the other, you can find it. Yeah. And in some cases, some people say both sides of the opinion. Then it makes it really difficult. Well, it's it's interesting. That's why you got to listen to not two, but about forty. Right, right. But the, I mean, 
you talk about getting anxiety about missing somebody or getting somebody, right? Well, and I don't, but a lot of people but that no, I'm friends you, with definitely do. Right, yes. You talk about it. Yes. Uh, I think the great example is one you and I talked about right before we turned it on. Do you remember last year just freaking out that we had a chance multiple times to get Malik Willis and we passed? You know who else just passed on Malik Willis? Tennessee basically Tennessee, did. They drafted a quarterback in the second round. And so, um, like I said, this is where the Vikings should sneak that seventh round pick over to Tennessee to get him to see what it is that, you know, they got with him, especially with O'Connell. Right. But make sure I he's mean, not Kellen Mond 2.0. Right. We were having, we were apoplectic. The draft, the draft was like, oh my God, we well, had a guy and we passed on him. Truthfully, last year, the draft was not fun by the time the Vikings traded 12 away. And this has everything to do with who you surround yourself with. Yeah. But I knew enough people that were just throwing in the towel. The season's over. P.S. They won 13 games last year after doing this. But this year's draft to me was more enjoyable for a couple reasons. The Vikings picked later. So to be flooded with consternation didn't necessarily happen for a few hours. And then the other thing that I don't like, and I tell you this all the time, is the paralysis by analysis. And this year's draft had so many curveballs in it. All those that are usually guilty of paralysis by analysis really didn't know what to say. And it was kind of fun to see them caught off guard. No, I I agree with that. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, listening for a 12-hour stint. You know, listen to the first reactions and then listen to, you know, after they've had a chance to take a breath, right? And and to see to see again what they're saying. And and that's I mean, like I said, Brian, it's it's not the immediate pick by one team. It's the flow of the whole thing and see who goes where and, and then find out. You know, like, so Levis, the reason they said he fell out is a late um, diagnosed foot injury that may may need surgery. Um, the great big uh, tight end that I couldn't figure out why he didn't go early from Georgia, the, the Washington kid, you know, he fell to the end of the third round last night to Pittsburgh right. because there were maybe a knee injury. And the quote that I read 18 different places was maybe. And and so Pittsburgh got a six foot seven, 270 pound tight end from Georgia who was just the guy, because they have a first-round draft pick tight end sitting there still, Bowers, Right, he didn't see the football as much. But when he did, he caught the football. He's got 12-inch hands. Brian. Now, I love the fact it's that like you said umbrella. that means you literally have a foot as a hand. Yes. But I also like the fact that you said maybe, because that to me is the theme of the NFL draft. I have no problem with people that like it. I think I get mislabeled as I just shun people who enjoy this. Well, you and I still have No, out. and enjoy whatever you want to. That's great. But like it's wrestling? such but it's such a main well that's scripted. But it's such but it's such a maybe I like movies too. I tell you that all the time. But it's such a maybe. And here's my ultimate theory, really dumbed down. The Vikings frustrate me and infuriate me at times between August and January, often enough that this is the off season. I don't have the energy to get ultimately infuriated by something that they do on a podium in April. I can get a little bit excited. I can get a little bit disappointed, but I don't go, well, that's it. September is going to be awful. I'll wait till September to say that. Well, you asked me to come up with some draft memories ab- about that. And and it is funny how you fall on both sides when you're focused on the Vikings, how you can fall on both sides. I remember. I have an example for you of one I, person who I, did. I may have even called you and I was like, it's Johnny Manziel, baby. We're yeah. getting my guy. We're getting my guy. Wait a minute. We drafted a linebacker from UCLA. UCLA is not even any good. Right. And uh, it Let's just say Anthony that, Barr turned out a little better than Johnny Manziel. Yep, boy. And and you remember PA was Johnny effing football? I mean, I, I just loved that nickname. I was like, okay, this yeah. is the guy. And it, it, right. It turned out the way maybe God intended it to turn out, but I was so disappointed. Like, I threw stuff at the TV. See, and that's the kind of reaction that I just can't get into. But then again, we all have our, I don't know if shortcomings is the right word, but we all have our different tweaks, if you will, because you're also talking to a guy in myself who knows there's 162 games in a baseball season. The Twins tried to hand that game to Kansas City last night. If they had, my demeanor is different today, even though they've got 140 roughly still to go. So everybody gets upset about things that other people would go, okay, I don't understand why your undies are in a bundle today. But I think it is, if you don't follow this as deeply as you do, I think it is important who you listen to and how many you listen to. Because I gave you an example before the show today of here's how I think people can get confused. And this gentleman I'm about to point out was a very good Vikings player and also was in Duluth yesterday. First of all, did you see your spot at Duluth Grill yesterday? I, I did not, Brian. I did not. Yesterday was catch up from two days of construct tomorrow. I was kind of locked in. Okay. 
Well, oh, I have a story uh, later when we have a second to talk about after Construct Tomorrow yesterday, what happened that was as cool as anything you're ever going to see. All right. We will wait for that. But Ben Lieber was here yesterday and he had a couple of different takes. And I stress the word different on the Jordan Addison selection by the Vikings, because in the moment I didn't hear this, but a friend told me in the moment during the fans coverage of the draft, Ben Lieber called it basically a panicky pick and that the type of player, not necessarily this player, but the type of player that Jordan Addison is could have been taken rounds later. So that would lead me to be a little bit concerned that a guy that knows a hell of a lot more about football than me says meh to your pick. Well, on the Power Trip Morning Show yesterday on this same station, they had a piece from Lieber about the pick. And I know he works for the broadcast, so it might have been, hey, tell the company line and do it fast. Yep. But it was, hey, Vikings fans, here's why we should be absolutely pumped we got this guy. So my point is, if you only heard one of those and not both, you're going to be stuck in the camp of which one you heard. And that's why I don't like the emotions afterwards. Well, and 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 you're right. That's, again, why you have to listen to more than just one place. Like I just so Or I, sometimes be careful you listen to if they give you both. Well, I pulled up the Huddle Report, which is one of those that I really I, I really follow because they do they do prospect. They, they do big breakdowns of each prospect in advance. Right. And one of the things it says about Jordan Addison, uh, you know, he's got the size and the speed. He could be T.Y. Hilton. All right. Wow. So, so right. But that's that goes to your point. He could also be just the next bust wide receiver. But when when you get because they write pros and cons on it. So it's, it's kind of fun to read both. Well, in the NFL comps, they stole that idea from the NBA. The NBA did this idea a while back. The NFL stole it where they started doing NFL comps when they get picked. I don't that's remember hard. which I don't remember which quarterback it was. But the NFL comped him to Donovan McNabb, and I said, "Which year are you happy? Yeah. Or are you going? Oh, great! Well, they they comp the the Washington kid, the tight end. You know who they comped him to? LeBron, because he is he is an inch taller. He's a, he's a little bit bigger. He's got bigger hands, and he looks like he is a man among boys. He was like, obviously, it's a different sport, but size wise and how he looks next to other players, he looks like LeBron. Right. So we will talk about this year's draft. In more extended form with PA at about 11. Yep. I want to give you a moment, though, to just give your take on the addition of Jordan Addison because I get both sides of this coin. The Vikings' glaring needs are not offensive, but they didn't address the defense. And if you want to be upset about that, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But they also went ahead and got better at what they're good at. Nothing wrong with that either. No, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And you and I talked. Uh, there was a cliff that fell after Addison. Like, the next receiver, I think, was Jonathan Mingo. Uh, who is basically Laquan uh, with hopefully out the ankle injury, right? But he's the same kind of big, not a whole lot of speed, real physical kind of football player. Um, and so if you're going to pick a receiver, you either got to go there or you got to pick something like Tank Dell in, in the third round. And so they they made a pick saying, okay, there's the talent drop-off is huge. That being said, I was very surprised they didn't trade back. Yeah, um, that I was as well. And surprised that they didn't draft Joey Porter Jr. I was surprised that everybody that they'd fit. been linked to going up to number 23, whether they were going to stay they or were not, kind of there. everybody they were linked to was on the board. So there were basically six names that you could say could be, could be, could be, could be, could be. Yep. Jordan Addison might have been the sixth one, but there we go. Well, I even sent you a, a last name with a question mark. I was like, Addison? Um, because I did not think he was going to be one of the guys because he's very similar to Jefferson without the crazy ball skills, right? And real quick, here's how much I follow the draft. If I wasn't paying attention, Dave sends me Addison, question mark. My response wanted to be, no, my name's Brian, but go ahead. <laughs> so I I was surprised, really very surprised they didn't trade back. And it sounds like Kansas City wanted to, um, but it, it just didn't happen. So Addison was a surprise. Um, I, we can't say he's bad because they did lose their number two receiver. And so they needed to replace that guy. And O'Connell right. is is that kind of quarterback or offensive whisper. The one last night was confusing because you and I talked about in the first round who'd be really good would be Ringo because he had size, speed, all that stuff, and Flores. And, and, and he's they, my favorite Beatle. And and they drafted a guy who was short. And he's, basically they draft Mac Alexander, right? It's the same kind of player. Uh, and it surprised me because there were more athletic, bigger, stronger, faster cornerbacks. They must like this kid. And, you know, Flores, if they drafted a defensive player, Flores had his hands on him. So he knows this kid. So we got to trust in in their coaching. Well, and I think out of this draft so far, again, there's a ton of picks today, including the Vikings multiple times. But the most intriguing person, because I can't say player, out of this draft, 
automatically, if it wasn't already, becomes Brian Flores because they didn't address the defense with high-end talent on paper. So that, to me, says there's a belief that Flores can do something with what's there. Uh, There is. And I want to ask PA later about about the cornerback room, but they have to be they have to say Ed Donatel's a problem, right? They have to see that you know if you give if you give uh, Flores, Zadarius and Hunter and uh, you know the the linebacker from Oklahoma and you get Harrison Smith. Oh, Asamoah. Awesome. Yeah, okay. you get you get Harrison Smith. That should back be an easy playing. one for you. Asamoah awesome. sounds like Oklahoma. Just get in your head right now. It's like a mnemonic <laughs> no, device. Don't give me stuff in my head. All That's right. a bad thing. All right, Harrison Smith back playing a position that that he's used to. They have to think that again. Well, like last year where they rolled back the offense. Connor rolled back the defense. My biggest problem is they still don't have anybody who can rush the passer from the defensive in line. In the middle. Right. Right. Everything PA asked for hasn't I, happened yet. I do think that they probably would have drafted the the nose tackle from Baylor had he not gone the pick before. And don't forget, free agency is not exactly over. This is not the end of your roster at the end of today, which I think is a big deal as well. I also want to ask oh, PA, but yeah. I want you probably don't follow undrafted free agent stuff at all. I don't. <laughs> we'll t- I'll send you a note then later today. Brian, I got this and this and this and it's undef- undrafted free agent. Can't wait. Turning my emails <laughs> off. But at any rate, the Vikings, the other question that I want to give PA and I'll give it to you first. What kind of message does this send to KJ Osborne? Because I did think he had moments last year. A lot of people said not good enough to be wide receiver too. And I thought, give the kid a chance. This says that they might not be giving this kid a chance or maybe they are. And Addison's a three because You've got a one in Jefferson, and then you've got like 2.5 in those two, supposedly. I think what you said at the end was right. I think right now, today, K.J. Osborne is receiver number two. Has to be. Addison, just from having NFL Addison experience. That's the point. just not big enough to be. I mean, maybe in a weight room in the NFL, you know, he goes from 173 to, to 190, and now we're talking about a whole different thing. Right. But you know who the number two wide receiver is. TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson. Right. And and after that, then it is KJ, but he doesn't change spots, right? He's still the number three. And then, you know, I think there's an untapped thing with Oliver. Here's the guy I want to see them draft today. I want to see him draft Deuce Vaughn, the the five foot five inch running back from Kansas State, who when he's on the field is really, really good. But he's five foot five. He's got he can catch a football, but doesn't he sound like the gimmick kind of player that O'Connell would just love? I have no idea. I don't want to see him draft anybody today. There's basketball playoffs, there's oh, hockey playoffs, and there's Major but League there's Baseball. there's not hockey playoffs you should care about. I can get tracker updates. I don't need to see them draft anybody, but the lots of picks for the Vikings oh, so today. you want me to call you. Got but it. It, no, you'll be busy. Just let it go. I'll announce it at the softball game. I, I hate to break it to you. The NFL draft ends today. Starting tomorrow, you need to get a life. But it's but he will send me tomorrow the all-too-early 2024 draft oh, order. I'll send it to you tonight. <laughs> I can't wait again to delete that first, email. So Caleb Williams will be first, regardless of yeah, who it is. That much I knew even yes. not following yes. the situation. Yes. But it is interesting because the Vikings have a talented passing game, good pass catchers, and they added another one. And historically, we've done that before, and we've drafted wide receivers in the 20s. We want to do some memory lane for the draft in the next 10 minutes before we get to our first guest. First memory for me is the Randy Moss pick, and not because he became an absolute superstar, but because in that moment, I remember this draft. I was a student at Winona State. I was not watching the draft, which is zero shock to anybody. I was playing basketball with friends, and my parents were up. And I had one friend who was basically my Dave Cook of that era where he wouldn't do anything. The draft was on. He wasn't going to move. So he came out and he told us who they picked, which we appreciated. But a bunch of us turned and went, why? They've got tons of needs. They've got Jake Reed and Chris Carter. What did we need another wide receiver for? Well, that turned out pretty well. Now, that's a no-brainer, but it's a memory for me. What about memorable drafts for you? Because this means a lot more to you than me. The one that I remember best when I was younger was when they drafted Chris Dolman. And and I knew, I, like, I follow college football because I like college football. Uh, and he came from Pitt. And I'm like, oh, does Pittsburgh play college football? Like, Tony Dorsett came from there, but isn't and Marino? that it? Yeah, Anyone? but Marino hadn't come out yet, okay. right? And so the next year when Marino came out, I was like, okay, there's our Pitt quarterback. the powerhouse. Right? But I remember when they drafted Millard and thinking, oh, thank God they got him. And when they drafted Joey Browner, thinking, okay, so we need a safety and we got a guy that everybody's saying is the best safety in the draft. All right. But the flip side stuff is always the interesting one. So I'm, it seemed like for a decade, we were Saints baseball was on the draft day, right? When they did Saturday, Sunday drafts. And so I would announce the pick. 
And the year they drafted Troy Williamson, I remember reading the draft guide and saying, this guy, size, speed, all this stuff, he can't really catch. That's his, that's his downfall. And when they drafted him, I was like, oh, the Vikings drafted Troy Williamson, wide receiver, South Carolina. And uh, then not an hour later, it's like, oh, and they also drafted Erasmus James, a guy who doesn't like football from Wisconsin. We threw away our first draft bit or first round today. Enjoy tomorrow. Well, the interesting part for me with that particular draft was, of course, that was the Randy Moss replacement draft. And Troy Williamson was probably unfairly labeled to be that guy right away. Mm-hmm. Now, his football career was awful, but it could have been OK. And he still would have been thrown in the disappointment right. bin right. because he was supposed to be the next Randy Moss. I went mentally 0 for 2 in that draft because I remember it was Troy Williamson that they picked, and I wanted it to be Mike Williams from USC, yep. and both turned out to be basically nothing. Right. Mike Williams, remember, he was so big. Yeah. I mean, he was so big. Here, there's a, a couple others. I remember sitting in the basement on Arrowhead Road when I was in college with a buddy of mine, and we're watching the draft, and he's not unlike you, but he wasn't like, he didn't follow college football. And the Vikings came up, and Warren Sapp had the drug issue. Nobody knew. I mean, it was just it was marijuana at that time, right? They caught him smoking marijuana, and then it was like, oh dang, a full blow drug. He problem. could move here now, right? Exactly. Um, but he was the man for me. I was that was the guy we needed to get, and he was there. And I was like, oh, here it comes. We're gonna do it. We've got our next Hall of Fame pass rusher, the Vikings draft from Florida State, Derek Alexander, and I went. I believe what I said can't be said over the radio. Uh, but it was something like, I watch college football. I can't tell you anything about Derek Alexander. See, and I knew <laughs> about him because there were enough Florida State games on my TV that I was like, oh, he's pretty good. And that was my problem. I like college football, but I like the Gophers and I like whoever the Badgers play that week. And I see a handful of Big Ten games. And then I see whatever the networks used to throw in your face back then. And now it's tons of games. Back in my childhood, it was like six teams. You saw Miami all the time. You saw Florida State all the time. You saw Notre Dame all the time. You saw USC, and then you got Minnesota and Wisconsin because of where you lived. So I'll take you back to when the draft didn't used to end on the weekend. I remember coming home from school, I think, on the following Monday, and Gino Toretta got picked by the Vikings in round seven or whatever the heck it was. Obviously, he he never played a regular season down for the Vikings, I don't believe. But Gino Toretta, because he played at the U, as in Miami, was in your face every Saturday. And the Vikings got this guy. I thought, hey, quarterback of the future. I was also probably about 12 years old. That didn't work out very no, well. No, but I, I remember the same the same situation. It was like, hey, we got somebody, and um, we we ended up with without somebody. It's a little like the Ponder draft. I was sitting in the backyard raking and um, when we lived where Aaron, Aaron's house now, and I really wanted them to draft Jake Locker. Right, the, and and he didn't turn out to be anything. I either. did too, and they went over two in that department too. We got Christian Ponder, who turned out to be nothing. Jake Locker somehow turned out to be less injury related, of course. Right, and JJ Watt was available. The pick that he went the pick before Ponder, but the guy who was there, who I was super excited for them to get, was Mike Pouncey, the center. Oh, the center, yeah, yep. And it was didn't he like, go to Pittsburgh? He did, and it was like okay, so we're gonna get Pouncey, and that's fine. We'll get a quarterback next year. And if you remember, Christian, you you don't. Christian Ponder was the MVP of the Senior Bowl. I do remember that. Um, See, you discredit me, but you forget I follow once they start doing things with a pro football team and things get brought up. So he was the MVP of the Senior Bowl, and everybody said, okay, he's super smart, not the greatest arm, but I had watched them. I had watched. Um, um, I had watched him play against North Carolina earlier, and his arm. I mean. Then that game was one of those 58-44 games. And so I kept thinking back to that. Okay, so they said he didn't have an arm in the in the senior bowl, but he was super accurate. And I've seen him with an arm. And so, okay, he's going to be okay. And then he came out. Do you remember his first game? He, like, three-hopped his first couple wide receivers. He right. ran because he couldn't read. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This guy's going to be terrible. And he was. And, and, and that draft. Sucks I, to be right sometimes. So I, I, when they drafted him, I tossed my rake. Like I was oh. like, that was awful. I can't believe that Dana was like, are you okay? See, I don't have the crazy reactions, but I remember being confused. I talked about Randy Moss and my reaction being why, because they were set at that position. I remember being confused for another star and it was Adrian. I knew yeah. him because we saw plenty of his games when he played for Oklahoma. I yep. knew exactly yep. who he was. I knew how good he was, but the intriguing part, particularly about the NFL draft versus say NBA 
NBA doesn't care if they're set at a position. They'll draft another great player at that same position. Yep. Ask David Kahn, back-to-back point guards. But at any rate, they will, do, they will do that, and it can work, right? Football isn't like that. If you have a number one quarterback, a number one running back, a number one wide receiver, hands down, you're probably not drafting another one. Now, I just contradicted myself because the Vikings have the best wide receiver in the game and took one in the first round. But you understand what I'm saying. So as Adrian was sliding, I thought, well, we're going to look right past him because Chester Taylor just got here and has been plenty good as well. Well, they took him and I went, great, heck of an athlete. How's that going to work? Yeah, why? And it it obviously did. It worked out better for Adrian than Chester in terms of Vikings longevity, but it worked. So uh, I heard somebody from the Lions draft say that, use that as an example, because Swift is a heck of a football player. But now they're taking trade calls on him if you watched Twitter yesterday. (laughs) Right. You know, but how about this one? And this is one of those I think I called everybody because I was so excited. Before the draft, I told everybody that my goal for them was Laquan. That I've seen Laquan play a couple times, maybe a half a dozen times. He's bigger, better, better hands. Nobody can guard him. Like, he's the receiver we need. And then when we picked him, like it was celebration time in my house, and we Laquan's a, a joke now as far as right. the punchline. The most memorable one for me, and it's memorable for a lot of people for the Vikings, is the one where they failed to get the card in in time. Now yep. it worked out tremendously. It work. Kevin Williams, absolute stud. I love that the power trip says if he had a flashier name than Kevin Williams, he'd be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame already. But I kind of felt like you must feel when you try to deep dive on this with me in the car, sometimes even on this show, where I can play along. I can certainly sustain a conversation. I'm not completely you know, clueless as to what you're talking about, but you reach a certain depth, and I go, yeah, I don't care. I was on the University of Wisconsin campus with friends visiting that weekend, and nobody, and I mean nobody except me, probably knew that the NFL draft was on. So I stayed in my bedroom a little longer where everybody was out and you know, engaging in brunch or whatever. And again, I don't care much about the draft, but I care enough that you pick somebody when it's your turn, Mm -hmm. if you don't make a trade, what have you. So all of a sudden I am screaming at the TV, like, what are we doing? We're not even going to take what, what happened? I'd never seen that before. What happens now? Do we not get to pick anyone? What, what do do we get penalized? What happens here? I was beside myself that I don't know who they're going to take because I don't know anybody, but take someone, (laughs) please fill the board. Right. Feel Uh, free to take a turn. And and again that that generation Miami team the the one that was for five years as good a college football program as you're ever going to see their middle linebacker for a period of time uh, is in the Hall of Fame now Ray Lewis yeah and um, we drafted Dwayne Clements instead of drafting Ray Lewis and I remember punching a piece of paneling because that's I wanted Ray Lewis see and that's where it's fun for you in particular because you do deep dive and you do follow and you do know or have a better inkling than most when these picks happen, because I don't remember thinking in the moment, I can't believe we got this guy instead of this guy. It's a lot easier two, three years in the NFL career and go, Oh my gosh, face palm because that happened. By the way, the Lewis scene for Mr. Williams in Detroit might not be that awful. You know, the Vikings took a gamble, but who really did? Right. The The problem with scene is that we haven't seen anything yet. Well, and, and this goes back to Donatel, Brian, you draft a first round safety and he never sees the field. He didn't see the field in in the spring. He didn't see the field. I mean, he was never the starter. Right. What happened? Is that a Donatel thing? Did we just overrate scene? I think he might be our other first round pick. I think we're about to find out. That's the biggest thing. I understand the immediate gratification, instant gratification take, especially in the world of sports, maybe nowhere bigger than the NFL. But the draft production doesn't always come in year one. Doesn't always have to. Of course, that's what the Vikings are hoping for because year one for last year's group was pretty awful. We'll see what happens with this year's group and beyond. The Vikings took a chance. We're going to take a chance with a high school friend of mine. Stick around. We'll be right Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Right back. We are giving a Hall of Fame effort here on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We are going to be talking to a soon-to-be-inducted deck Hall of Famer. 
Heck of a class goes in this Thursday. Pat Francisco, Coach DeBrian, Coach Strummy, Scott Keenan, and Kara Goucher. In the case of Kara, Dave, we've had lots of friends on this show. I met Kara 30 years ago, almost to the day. I don't think I ever thought back then, I'm going to have a radio show and you're going to be on it frequently, but here we are. Yeah, no, isn't that awesome when you get a chance not just to, not just to uh, have guests, but your guests are friends. Like we've been very fortunate that that there's a lot of really solid people that we know no who doubt. had some athletic success. And I don't know if there's anybody more than Kara. Um, let's rip through these uh, sponsors, our awesome sponsors that we have because we want to get to Kara fast. Uh, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Justin Maya, Messina & Associates, Avenue 45, The Blackwoods Group, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Famous Dave's, Hoops Brewing, and Arola Architecture Studio. Once again, so grateful for each and every one of those sponsors. Grateful to be with you every Saturday. Grateful, of course, to have Kara Goucher with us by phone. Kara, you'll be home in home, I mean Duluth, later this week. Congratulations on another Hall of Fame honor, and good morning. Oh, good morning, and I'm excited. I'm excited to head to Duluth next week for sure. Absolutely. So take me through that process of being alerted of the Hall of Fame induction that you're indeed going to be a Hall of Fame member for the deck. What was that call? What was that conversation like? How'd you find out? Uh, my sister called me with Gary, and they just told me, and I was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> Um, I'm super honored, especially when he told me all the other inductees. It's a it's an incredible group of people that have done so much in the sporting world, and I'm just honored to be I'm honored to be a part of that group. I'm going to slip into Brian Prudhomme, Duluthese graduate, for the moment because part of that class is Pat Francisco, whose daughter Angie, of course, graduated with you. Have you thought about you might see more classmates than you bargained for because of Pat? <laughs> I'm hoping I'll see Angie. I mean, I haven't seen her in, I don't, I mean, you already aged us by saying we met 30 years ago, but yes. um, I thought of that I yesterday and I cringed a little bit. Yeah. It's hard to believe it's been 30 years, but it's crazy to think about. And you've been through and accomplished so much. We'll talk about the deck hall of fame again a little bit later. I really want to talk about the book, the longest race. This book is so good, but I want to talk about the process. How long did this take to put together? When did you spark the idea? How difficult was it? All that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I think I, I started thinking about it. My husband and I thought, started thinking about maybe writing a book together back in about 2017, 2018. And then in 2019, I just started meeting with potential co-authors because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and yeah, I, Mary Pallon and I agreed to work together in the fall of 2019 and pretty quickly after that signed a contract with Simon & Schuster. So it was about a four-year project to get it from idea to actually signing a deal to having it published. So let me give you this as a title, and I want to see how it grabs you, because you've been an Olympian, you were a heck of a prep and collegiate runner, obviously part of the Oregon Project, we'll get to that, but did you ever think in your life, in addition to being a broadcaster, you'd be a part of the New York Times bestseller list? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and I mean, I've been, that's been a huge honor, it's been really amazing that people have connected with the book, and yeah, my publisher called me, I was picking up my front son from school, and he said, guess what? You made the New York Times bestseller list. And I was like, what? So it's pretty wild that I get to say I'm a New York Times bestselling author. Um, it actually doesn't even seem real, if I'm being honest. It is pretty amazing. Now talk me through, and I use the phrase talk me through on purpose. Talk me through the experience of being the narrator, because I said I've read the book and heavy on the air quotes, you can't see me because I didn't read the book. I opted for the audio option, which was really surreal because it was you reading me your book. What was it like to do that part, knowing that that was going to be available to folks as well? Um, well, that actually has done really well. I think that we've we've done well in sales, but we've had really strong sales in the audiobook. So no shame in that, Brian. And I think, you know, I wanted to write this book because there was so much in misinformation. Um, a lot of very famous reporters talking about me who I had never met before, hadn't even met them. So it's super important for me to just tell my own story. And so when it came to the audio book, it was really important that I read it because, you know, that was the whole point. I get to tell my story. But the the actual recording of it was, it was just weird. I mean, you, we went through so many revisions of the book. And so I had read it literally hundreds of times. But to actually have to read it out loud was, it was just kind of weird. And there were times where it was a little bit emotional and I had to take a break here and there. But um I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that I was the one that read it. 
Absolutely. No question about that. You talked about a little bit of emotion because as a reader or as a listener, in my case, I think there was for me too, you know, hearing about your upbringing in Duluth, you know, after New York and all that, I was familiar with a lot of it. In fact, some of the people that you referenced either by a trait or by first name, I knew exactly who you were talking about. So I was smiling through that part. But then this book takes a turn because there's, I'll just call it some ugliness that you had to discuss. How difficult was that? But now that you've done it, how liberating has it felt to get kind of the weight of the world off your shoulders? It was really hard. And there were times in the process where I was like, I don't think I can share that. I don't think I can deal with other people knowing that I experienced that. But really, Mary held me to like, no, if we're going to do this book, we need to do, we need to talk about everything that happened. And so it was really hard. And if I'm being totally honest, it put me in therapy and I worked with a therapist throughout that time. Um, But the night before it came out, I was so nervous. I like couldn't sleep. I was like, everyone's going to know my deepest, darkest secrets tomorrow. But then I woke up on pub day and I just felt super calm and I have felt really calm and like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders ever since then. So it was it, what I was nervous about ended up being this very healing experience. I would imagine it's a great story. Once again, we're talking to Kara Goucher, Deck Hall of Famer to be Kara Goucher. Also Duluth East Hall of Famer already, Kara Goucher, but she'll always be Wheeler uh-huh. to me in that sense. Again, the book, <laughs> the book is The Longest Race. I can't recommend it enough. Lord knows I've tried on Twitter. Kara can vouch for that. Dave, I know you're very interested in a lot of different angles. Yeah, I, I have a I have a thing, Brian, and we've talked about this in the past uh, when people try to manipulate relationships, right? And one of the parts of Kara's book that I read that struck me was when the Oregon Project decided what a great idea would be would be to uh, insert themselves in all of her relationships. And and Kara, looking back on that situation, I'm really interested now looking back on it. You know what was going on? How how manipulative and and that sounds really strong but but how yeah, let's just go with that how manipulative looking back on it that that it really was yeah looking back there's so many red flags and and it's almost embarrassing i mean like your coach should never be involved in your in your marriage or who you hang out with or how much time you spend with your family but you know it was slow it was a slow control and i i've I felt so lucky to be there and I just thought, well, this is what it takes. Like I'm so close to achieving everything I ever want to achieve. Like I, this is just what it takes to, to be at that level and to be a person who could win a major or an Olympic medal. Of course, looking back, I see how unhealthy it is. And I try to imagine my nieces or my son in a relationship like that. And I'd be like, abort, get out. But at the time it was sort of, you know, it was slow and, um, then I was in there so deep, but I was also so close to achieving what I wanted that I felt like I just had to deal with that type of a situation. So I know a lot of people have probably applauded the story, but has there been anybody that has given you some backlash if I can't believe you did that? Are you, are you dealing with anything difficult since the book has come out? You know, I, I haven't gone looking for it. I know what websites will be judging me and which won't. Um, I haven't read any comments or anything like that. I did get, you know, on my social, I do read my social, and I did get a few um, pushbacks. But in general, it's been 99% positive. And it's, honestly, it's been overwhelming, um, just all of the responses of people who have been in, you know, they related to the story in some capacity. And it's been really sad to, to just like learn just how much manipulation and abuse there is in our, in our world. Um, but also it's good because I think until we talk about it, we can't heal from it and we can't make change. And I, so them reaching out to me makes me feel like, okay, we're actually creating change. We're creating safe spaces to have these conversations so that the next generation doesn't have to exist in the same culture that I did. Uh, Kara, so one of the things that I, I get a chance to do is I, I work with people that have been in relationships um, in their life like this. If if you had, and I and I know you're you know very interested in, in changing the perception here. If you had a chance to talk to a you know a, a teenage kid or maybe a little bit younger about relationships, what kind of advice would you give them now that you're looking back? You know, your coach. Anyone in your world shouldn't be your whole world. I felt like I couldn't survive without Alberto Salazar. I felt like I was nothing without him. And that's just an extremely unhealthy place to be. You want to be surrounded by people who believe in you and who are doing what's best for you. And sometimes those lines get blurred. And, you know, I didn't have, 
I was an adult and I didn't really have any resources. So Safe Sport hadn't been created yet. I didn't have anyone I could go to. I'd really encourage people to check out the Rex project online. It's a new, it's new, um, but what they're doing is trying to compile resources and educational sources for kids from high school through professional um, careers. Uh, you know, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I literally was so isolated and I felt like I couldn't talk to my husband because I felt shame and talking to him about it. Like I had done something wrong. And so I think just knowing that you should never feel like you have nowhere else to go um, is you shouldn't ever be feeling that way. And not one person should ever control your whole world. And there are people who will believe you and who will listen to you. That's so powerful. I know you can't see us, but both Dave and I kind of had jaws agape as we talked about that. Again, it's part of the book, The Longest Race. Highly, highly recommend it. I want to talk to you a little bit about races because now Kara Goucher, my high school friend, is Kara Goucher, fellow broadcaster. You got a chance to cover Boston again. I didn't get a chance to see the race because I was working, but all I had to do was scroll through your Twitter feed and I could feel the emotion. Your love in broadcasting, I know you loved running, but you love watching other people do it and commenting on it, don't you? Oh, totally. I actually didn't get to do the broadcast this year because NBC sold the rights. Um, So I was just sitting as a fan watching it myself, and then I couldn't help it. I had to start. I was going to say, you fooled me. I figured you were doing live coverage the way your Twitter feed looked. I apologize. No, no, that's why it looked like that. Um, I really enjoy watching the other athletes. You know, I miss being able to compete. There's nothing like that, you know, like that feeling of, you know you're really fit. You know you have a shot to win something. And, and that feeling I'll, I'll never have again. And that's something that was, was really hard for me to deal with. But I get a little bit of that feeling in telling other athletes' stories and, and being able to describe what's happening. And broadcasting has just been such a fun thing for me to feel that a little bit again and to feel connected to the sport that I love so much. No question. So my easy follow-up question to that is, if you didn't get a chance to do this race and I was fooled again, I apologize, but you've enjoyed okay. broadcasting, and it might be the only thing that I can give you advice on because even though I was your cross-country manager at Duluth East, Lord knows I could teach you nothing about running. But broadcasting, do you, do you have additional opportunities that you know of coming up? Yeah, yeah. I, ha- I have a contract this year, so I'll be calling the U.S. Championships, Track and Field Championships in July, and then I'll be calling the World Championships in Budapest later this year, and then a couple more meets, Fifth Avenue Mile and the Prefontaine Classic. So. I will be calling some more races this year. Unfortunately, uh, NBC lost the rights to the marathons, so I'll only be calling the World Championship Marathon or Olympic Marathon now, uh, but I'll still be calling track. Okay, that'll be excellent. Now, I want to tie some things together because we've talked about, we started with you're coming home because of the Deck Hall of Fame. We also talked about the book. There's a combo platter here. Part of your trip home also involves the book. Talk a little bit about that event because I know a lot of folks in this area know you, love you, maybe have read the book, maybe haven't, they get a chance to see and talk to you about it, correct? Yeah, well, I'll be at the uh, the Fickers bookstore, although we're at it, I'm not sure where the location is. It's somewhere, somewhere around there. You, maybe you can tell your listeners after. Um, but it's at 6 o'clock on Friday night, and I'll be doing like a discussion, a little bit of a panel discussion, and then we'll open it up to Q&A. And then anyone that buys a book that night, then I will stay and, and talk to people and autograph books for anyone that buys one that night. Excellent. There you go. Cinco de Mayo. That's Friday with Kara. She'll be at Fitker's Mexico Lindo's right there. I think it sounds like an evening, but I digress. Go ahead, Dave. You know, Brian, <laughs> the, our, our conversation here has, has stirred up some old emotions, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Try reading the book. I had a you, difficult time. You Thank know, God I could text you, Kara. Go ahead, Dave. You know my son's story. Uh, about, yeah. and, and so I want to throw this out as a addition care we talk about young ladies and we talk about you know as you said not one person should rule your world but truthfully this isn't just a young ladies thing i think that there's some you know machismo issues with guys but they face the same Mm -hmm. thing right i agree it's a problem it's a problem for everyone obviously i come at it from a female perspective but i was on a team where everyone was manipulated i just happened to be the only female the only woman on the team Oh so it's a, it's a problem and, and men can be, they can have the same things can happen to them. That's why we just need to talk openly, especially with our kids and with the youth about what boundaries look like and what is appropriate and what isn't. So do we see a finish line with this? Because it's kind of the tip of the iceberg that you addressed a problem that was prevalent. Do we think that these discussions will continue and eventually, you know, the sport in every sense of the word will be clean 
Or do we think that this is a problem that just continues? It's a matter of who's willing to speak out. I think that it's always going to be a problem, but I think that the more of these conversations we have, the better we can make it. And I certainly plan on having these conversations as long as anyone will have me talk about them. Like I'm already, you know, booking events for next year to continue these conversations, to meet with other people, to create safer environments for athletes. And so I think there's always going to be some tough stuff, but as long as we work together, we can really make change. I absolutely agree with that. Carrie, you talk about continuing conversations. I look forward to continuing one when you get here this week. Thank you again for your time this morning. Thanks so much for having me, guys. See you soon. Thanks, Anytime. Carol. That is Carrie Goucher. What an amazing, powerful, gripping conversation that was. We somehow try to segue to Dave Hoops. When we come back, bumping out with some born to run. Kara's running into another Hall of Fame, the Deck Hall of Fame. Coach DeBrian, Coach Strummy, Pat Francisco, Scott Keenan, Kara Goucher. It's quite a class this it, Thursday at the it, Deck. It is an amazing class, Brian. If if you or your if you have friends, families, kids who are you suspect are in this kind of relationship, buy the book, make them read the book, you read the book because Kara's experience can help somebody get out of a situation. No doubt. She wins. The longest race. Can't recommend it enough, but I'll continue to try. Stick around. We'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Northland Sports Page. Some nights by fun. Having a lot of fun here in hour number one of this week's show. Very powerful segment with yeah. Kerry Goucher just a moment ago. Going to lighten it up a little bit with Dave Hoops, but... He loves Kara, and I know he's loved following Kara on this show before. We've put them in this order before a few times. Yeah, honestly, Brian, I was texting there for a minute, and I actually texted somebody who's, and, and said, I think that you need to bring this to your friends and family because they have all kinds of issues, right? Right. And and that's the that's the holy cow message. So when you played fun, and I was listening to it while I was texting, and because of how it works on the radio, all of a sudden it was gone. <laughs> I jumped out of my seat. Well, uh, and it's just a different uh, idea, too, because... Talking to Carol was fun. The material wasn't always fun, but she's able to be positive and it still becomes a very enjoyable conversation. Yeah, honestly, I think that the city here ought to take her in and have her speak to, like, and I say everybody, and of course that's obviously not going to happen, but like she's ours, right? She's right. one of ours. Have her and, here for something other than grandma's, which they'll be doing this week. And her relationship experience is so spot on, not just in athletics, but across the board. I mean, like I said, I talked to so many people who are in bad relationships and just reading that bit of her book, maybe hearing from somebody who, you know, is a quote unquote big deal, right? Who has been in those simple same situations they've been in might help. I, I just, like I told you, it was very emotional as the conversation kept going on. It was. So Sorry, we appreciate Dave. her time. It's time now for Dave Hoops. Dave Hoops is our ray of sunshine quite often. Boy, weather-wise, we need it today. It's about as gloomy as it can get. The Minnesota sports scene, somewhat like that as well. Goodbye, Timberwolves. Goodbye, Wild. Hello, Dave Hoops. I'm glad you appreciate the rest of the NHL because Minnesota is once again done in round one. And good morning, sir. Yes, yes, good morning. I, I do have a lot of brooding interest and things I care about in the playoffs going forward. But, um, you know, I really tried hard to get on board and, and be supportive of the Wild and you know, you got to look at a team that would like to win maybe a little bit. Um, I feel bad for the fan base today. That was brutal last night. I do as well, and I think that's a good synopsis of it. It looked like they weren't interested in trying to force a Game 7. That was about as uninspired of an effort as you'll see. With a crazy, crazy building. Right, and I thought Game 5, in terms of level of disinterest, could never be matched. The Wild said, and I'll say this to our brewer, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You've got to go in. You've got to count on winning that game. You've got to go for number seven. You've got to want it. You got to want it. It's pretty simple, you know. I mean, Florida. I mean, come on. Yeah, they are taking Boston to seven games, which is beautiful. I mean, most everybody I know, at least in this room, would love it if Boston lost. So we'll see what happens. You know, that that was a joke, of course. But anyway, there's a lot more to go, and and we do have a ray of sunshine, as you said. 
with the mighty, mighty twins and maybe a, two more wins this weekend. Let's keep it, keep it going, right? I hope so. The Royals are about as bad as bad gets right now. There are a handful of bad teams in baseball, and the Twins have got a chance to beat up on one for a couple more days, and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, we're Minnesotans. The minute we start counting on something, the reverse tends to happen. But go ahead, Dave Cook. You know, uh, Dave, it's real interesting because we didn't mention the third team that has local ties that also just kind of folded and left, and that's the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and so, like, all the initial immediate rooting interests for the Western Conference and hockey are are kind of gone so i'm trying to figure out what team is the next team is it edmonton i should be following is it vegas is it colorado what team now should we be paying attention out west real quick dave before you answer that because dave cook mentioned winnipeg i'm curious if either of you saw the postgame presser from the winnipeg head coach once they were eliminated he was about as blunt and critical of his own team as you can be but after last night, you could take Winnipeg Jets out of that whole soliloquy and put Minnesota Wild in, and the same thing applies. Go ahead, Dave Hoops. Yeah, that's a really good call. Um, so, Dave, um, I did the same thing during the NCAA tournament, but I'm the only guy who picked the Hurricanes to win the whole deal, which is fine. That's a team of mine, and, and I root for them pretty hard. But I've got the Oilers playing them in the finals, which is, you know, unlikely. But the Kraken is fun. And that's right now a team to enjoy, especially if they can beat the mighty abs. So there's a team that you might be able to watch without any real danger. I'd throw that out there. I'm glad you said that because that's one that I'm torn with. Because, yes, I don't want to see the avalanche be successful. I'm tired of it. But there's still part of me that says Seattle's an expansion team. Just like Vegas, they got too good too fast because the rules changed. We didn't get that. I, it's I, jealousy, it's sour grapes, but it's true. I think that I should cheer for anybody who's going to beat Dallas. That's the only team I don't want to Well, then to Colorado win. should probably stay in the back pocket yeah, for right, you. Right, right, right. That maybe is the question, Dave Hoops. Dallas looked pretty good. Now the Wild helped them look maybe better than they are. Jake Ottinger becomes the latest goaltender to look like Ken Dryden against the Wild in the playoffs. There's a list, and it's ugly. But with Dallas playing this well, who can realistically challenge them in the West? Is it Edmonton? No. Is it LA? Is it the winner of that series? You know, I, you know, I, I sorry to interrupt. I, I uh, hear what you're saying, but Dallas isn't that great. Uh, the Wild just made them. You know, they should have got. I really had them winning the four to two, the Wild, and they just didn't show up. But uh, you know, Pavs is out. He's going to help Suter. Somebody should just. Well, I can't say it. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row. You've uh, said that. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, but no, I think that there's a bunch of teams that can play with them, and I do not like Vegas at all, but Vegas can handle them. Um, there's going to be a lot more hockey that'll be fun. It's Unfortunately, the East is really the story, and it's hard, unless you just really uh, just are disgusted by Leafs fans, it's hard not to want them to win. I do, because they're long-suffering, as is uh, most of Minnesota sports. So I'd like to see them get through, and I've got them beating Boston in the next round is the way I have it right now, but we'll see what happens. So as crazy as Dave Cook reacted, the question is, will Boston be there, as you alluded to earlier? Dave Hoops, I want to ask you one more thing about the Wild, because you mentioned you had them winning in six, and they basically soiled the sheets along the way. But as I look at the individual games, the more I thought about this last night, kind of in the aftermath of the season ending, I thought, you know, they really got outplayed for the bulk of the series, not just in losing four games to two, but if you think of one of the two games that they won, which was game one, they got an extremely fortuitous bounce in a second overtime to take game one. Dallas had the ice on tilt for most of the extra sessions. And if you look at the other games, I tend to think Minnesota wasn't even as close as four games to two makes it look. Yeah, you're 100% right. They they really didn't show up. They really... They let down a lot themselves, really. And, you know, they're better than this. What is this, their seventh or eighth straight uh, first-round exit? They're making it, I guess, if that's enough. They've got a superstar on the team. I'm not going to blame him, but I, you've got to play like a superstar. Mario Lemieux is not going to get shut down every game against Dallas. It's just not going to happen. You've yeah. got to be better. Simple. I agree. The way we went after Kevin Fiala for last year's vanishing act, Matt Boldy replaced Kevin Fiala literally in that sense, and Kirill Kaprizov, to his own degree, did it as well. And that's just too tough to overcome. Brian, it's really tough. You know, as a Wild fan, you sit back and you look at what teams they match up well with when you're going into the playoffs. And, you know, I told you that I thought they matched up well with Colorado. But doggone it, they don't seem to match up with anybody. Like, they think about Minnesota sports now for a second, right? 
who in the world? I mean, we've got teams that get to the playoffs and then drop the ball, right? You got the That's Wolves got them. there, the Wild That's got all there, the them. Vikings got there. The, the twins, twins will probably get there this for year. For 19 years, the Twins haven't won anything. And so what is it that our teams, what's the common thread, I guess? Besides the M, what's the common thread? Well, so I'm going to ask you this. Is that your first of Dave Cook's legendary questions for Dave Hoops today? Because oh, we are up no. against it time-wise. All right. No, that is actually not. But I, I think I have a draft-related. So that was related, rhetorical. Yes. I okay, have a draft-related question that I think is interesting. All right, guys. Brian and I have talked a lot about the draft being maybe overkill from some people, right? So what's something in your life that you were super really excited about that kind of ended up like curdled milk, kind of like Laquan did for me? It doesn't have to be draft-related. It can be something that you were super excited, like maybe even unrealistically excited about that ended up just being kind of messy. So something that well, was all hype and no substance. Go ahead. By you. Well, there, there's a lot of things. Um, yeah, I'm tired of uh, USA soccer being worthless and no good and uh, hard to even make the World Cup roster and yet all our youngsters play all the way up um i watch a lot of international soccer and <clears throat> there's no hype in soccer on the men's side that is at all it's it's terrible uh, although the women are the best in the world so that's a huge answer to a simple question but something that bothers me all right so mine is way off the beaten path but i'll never forget it there's something to be said for seats on the glass <clears throat> for a professional hockey game right i finally got them and I couldn't stand them. It was in a spot where I'm just short enough where you struggle to see the play developing anyway, and then with the angle on the glass, it looked like there were duplicates of everybody as they went by you. You know, you and I talk about it when I'm broadcasting games. Am I going to be the short guy that has to lean under the rail or be tall enough to see over it? As a broadcaster, it's different. You, you do what it takes, and people can kind of accommodate you if needed too. As a simple fan... There's nothing you can do. I sat on the glass for one game, and I enjoyed it because of the people. I didn't enjoy the seat at all. So that was like, oh, I got these great seats. Can I have my money back? So I thought about this in in kind of experimenting with the draft, and, and that is I bought a car a couple years ago, a Buick, which I just adored until we found out the engine didn't work, right? I mean, it had everything I wanted, but the engine didn't work. And because it didn't work, we had to get rid of it, right? And so we bought a car now that gets me places, right, but I don't like at all. And it's a little bit like the draft. I was super excited about that Buick. Very, very excited. Turned out to be a lemon, right? And had to replace it to do the same job with something I didn't like. Like drafting a quarterback, right? A quarterback that you loved who didn't pan out and you replace him with somebody that's all right. But eh. Something I could say to you would be, I know there's a couple guests that we've had that we've been super excited about having and gotten done and went, oh. Yep. But we can't name them because that would be our last show. <laughs> Correct. And I know radio is not a visual medium, but almost a sweatshirt like the one I have on. Because you know when you order sweatshirts online, the logo or whatever's in the middle is blown up to entice you to buy it, and then you get it, and it's about one-eighth the size oh. of what you thought it would be. Uh, the one I'm wearing today is a good example of that. Yeah, The, the hand- state of Minnesota is not this small. The handshake, guys, Brian, it's Minnie and Paul. Yeah, that logo it's, it's is really mini. mini. Yeah. yeah. Question number two, you got another one today? No, actually, that was it. That was the big one. All right, so I want to go back to the one that I asked you. Is that one of your questions today? And you said no. I want to give us a chance to answer that. Dave, oops, is it just a stigma? Because there's been a lot of different players, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different teams, no matter the sport. Is Minnesota purely just snake bitten, or is there something that you're seeing that this is playoff failure, capital of the world? Um, you know, I don't really feel that way. Uh, we're a major, major market, and um, I think our expectations are a bit too low, number one. I think our fan base is fickle. We've got the uh, Philly fan base we like to rag on but their expectations are high. Our expectations are that they're going to, the, the wild, basically what happened with the wild are, that's how we go at our teams. I love my teams. I love the sharks, whether they win one game or a hundred games, we don't have necessarily that same attitude in Minnesota. And we don't have a, a bunch of players, a bunch of athletes who expect to Michael Jordan it off. Honestly, um, I couldn't agree it. with that more. I, Agree completely because I think I'm part of the problem in that sense. Not to say that my expectations are too low, but I find the next team to root for. You know, I said it today, the Wild failed, the Wolves failed, the Vikings draft. I, I kind of take or leave and, hey, the Twins are good. And if those go bad, then I've got connections at Scholastica, UMD, Duluth East, and I'm, I'm always rooting for something. But 
Dave Cook, as Dave Hoops is saying, the expectations are low, you said, or too high. And I think you're both right in the sense that we have two types of fans. We have fans that go, well, at least they did this. And then we have fans that go, I can't enjoy anything because they didn't win the title. Well, then don't watch. Don't follow. We don't have the happy medium per se. We do not. We do not. And and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we do have people that are just happy to get to the playoffs because right. their expectations are we're going to be under the 500. The Wolves are the prime example like, after going 15 and 67 two straight years. Or, that or, kind my, of thing. or my dad, who's like, oh boy, they they actually played the whole season. You know, right. like he just assumed everything was going to be awful. Well, we talk about meaningful games and we use the month prior to the playoffs as meaningful games. And and yet the flip side where people think that their team walks on water and and they get to the playoffs and, and they just get crushed. It seems to me that we have, we don't have, like you said, we don't have anybody in that middle percentile everything is we're like politics we got that end and we got that end and nothing right. in the middle we don't have any independent thinkers right that's what we don't have dave hoops we've been talking about expectations i want to close with this whether your expectations are high or low i will tell you this my expectations are always met and or surpassed at hoops brewing because it's just a blast to be there what's going on there this week i'll be quick i know we're on the crunch here i just want to first ben lieber just an officer and a gentleman what a day yesterday that was remarkable um, in the meantime, we've got a um, bunch of great beer, Mexican lager, Dunkel, brand new Pilsner, um, the strawberry half I mentioned, guava wheat coming out. And next week I will be in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, judging the Olympics of beer, the World Beer Cup. So Very nice. I do have, yeah, I've got a, a big week ahead and, and you guys as always kind of started off great for me. Thank you. Oh, we love talking to you every yep. Saturday. We will find a way from Nashville next week to get you on the show. You tell me what works best for you. You are always one of the best for us. Have a good rest of your weekend, my friend. You too. Thanks, guys. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.